You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. Dear Heavenly Father, please have mercy on us. Please remove the blindness of our eyes that we might see you ever so clearly. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Well, I wonder what you see when you look at Jesus. Who do you think Jesus is? That's the question that's at the heart of Mark's Gospel and at the heart of our story today. Do you see maybe a moral example? Someone who is to be followed. Someone whose actions are exemplary and we should follow. Do you see a, a good teacher? Someone who has good things to say about how to live your best life now. Maybe you see a, a vending machine or a genie in a bottle. Someone who will give you what you want as long as you rub him the right way. Maybe you think Jesus is just a mere mortal, a, a man whose words have been completely taken out of context. Who is Jesus? Well, in our passage today, we see through the eyes of a blind man that Jesus is the only one who can make him well. The only one who can save him physically and spiritually. In the Gospel of Mark so far, we've been following the story of Jesus as he's been going out through the region of Galilee. He's been preaching and, and teaching and performing many miracles. And at chapter 8, we hit a turning point. Jesus asks his disciples, Who do you say that I am? And Peter, sweet, fumbling, bumbling Peter, he's the one who gets it right. It's he who confesses that Jesus is the Messiah, the long-awaited-for King of Israel. And so from that point on, Jesus turns his face towards Jerusalem and starts his journey towards the cross. In our passage, we meet Jesus on this journey towards Jerusalem as he's going through Jericho. And we meet another character in our story. Look at verse 1 with me. And they came to Jericho, and as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples, a great crowd, sorry, and a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. As Jesus is leaving Jericho, surrounded by his disciples and this multitude of people, he walks by a blind beggar, Bartimaeus. Notice some things about Bartimaeus. Notice where Bartimaeus is sitting. He's not in the city, he's outside the city. And he's not on the road, he's beside the roadside. Bartimaeus is an outsider, sitting on the wayside, hoping that someone will show him some mercy. You know the type of person that you walk by on the street every day, asking you for food and for money, the person that you don't have any time for. As Jesus is walking on the road, he could have easily just passed by Bartimaeus. He could have easily been the Pharisee or the scribe, the Levite in the parable of the Good Samaritan who passed by on the other side. That's what the crowd hopes happens. The crowd rebukes uh, Bartimaeus and tells him to be, be quiet. 
Jesus is far too important for this blind beggar. Bartimaeus doesn't fit in the kingdom of God. He's not like the rich young man or the Pharisees earlier in the chapter. But I'm so often like this crowd. My vision is distorted by my sin and and by the world. I think that I have to look and act a certain way that I might be worthy of the kingdom of God, worthy of Jesus' attention. We can often think this way when it comes to evangelism, when we're evangelizing our friends and family. We think we have to say the right things and act in a certain way that our evangelism might be effective. We want to take someone to the right type of service that isn't too offensive for them and that they might like. Or we need to say the right words that will grip their heart in the right way, that they might submit to God. But we forget that people come in all different shapes and sizes, forgetting that we have no idea where people are spiritually. Some people, the Word of God is the aroma of life, but for others it's the stench of death. Some people need to be convicted by the Scripture where others need to be comforted because they know their own sinfulness, they know their blindness, and they, they need the comfort of the Gospel. But we're far too busy thinking that we know who is worthy of the kingdom of God, who is worthy of Jesus' attention. And yet, look at verse 49. And Jesus stopped and said, Call him. And they called the blind man, saying to him, Take heart, get up, he is calling you. Thank goodness that Jesus isn't like me, but that Jesus stops and calls Bartimaeus to himself. And at this Bartimaeus leaps up, his cries of mercy have been heard finally. He can't believe it. And he races over to Jesus. And once he approaches Jesus, Jesus asks this interesting question. Look at verse 51. And Jesus said to him, What do you want me to do for you? What do you mean, Jesus? Isn't it obvious what this man needs? This is blind beggar. It seems pretty obvious that he needs sight, Jesus. Like, what, what are you doing with this question? The answer comes just as we would expect, though. Bartimaeus wants to see. And look what happens in verse 52. And Jesus said to him, Go your way, your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. Bartimaeus is healed. His eyes are opened and he starts to follow Jesus on the road. He goes from being an outsider sitting by the roadside to becoming a disciple of Jesus, an insider walking on the road. Because of his faith in Jesus, he is healed. But the word that Jesus uses here to say that your faith has made you well, that word well could easily have been translated as your faith has saved you. There's a physical and spiritual dimension going on here. Bartimaeus is healed physically in the recovery of his sight, but he's also healed uh, spiritually as his face shows that he's become a disciple of Jesus, following him on the road. So in this story we get a picture of the Christian life, a, a picture of Christian conversion. When we come to Jesus' 
in need. Through faith in Him, trusting that He can save us, then we are saved and we are made whole again. We go from being on the roadside, a bystander, an outsider, to walking on the Jesus way. What do you want me to do for you? It's, it's a simple question that we might hear every day. Welcome to McDonald's, how can I help you? But when Jesus says these words, you know, the, they just have so much more weight to them. The possibilities are limitless. Can you imagine if Jesus said that to you, what you would ask for? But is this passage just saying that we need to ask Jesus for whatever we want and he'll give it to us? Or that we just need to be specific in our request and he will grant it? Well, the answer is no to both of those things. But the reason why I think this is because of the context of this passage. A favourite saying amongst theologians is that a text without a context is a pretext for a proof text. Now, you're not meant to know what that means because it's meant to make me look smart. But what it means is that if you don't read this passage in its context, you can make it say whatever you want. And if that was the case, then you would probably see me driving a nicer car and living in a nicer house. But we need to understand this passage in its context. So if you've been listening carefully to this text, then you may have already picked up some clues about the context of this passage. Listen to this question again from Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? I wonder if that rings any bells for you. If you were here last week, I, I hope it does, because that's the same question that Jesus asked to James and John. So by adding this question, Jesus, uh, sorry, Mark is pointing to the context of the passages surrounding this one. He's connecting this story to the stories that came before it. He's making us look back at to what else has happened in this chapter. He's directing us to read more than just what's going on in order that we might understand what's happening here. So in this chapter, in chapter 10, four different groups of people come to Jesus and ask him a question. First we get the Pharisees who come to test Jesus about divorce. Second we get the rich young man who asks how he might get eternal life. Third, we get the brothers James and John who ask, for, ask Jesus for a place of honour in heaven. And finally, we have this blind man, Bartimaeus, who asks Jesus for mercy and for sight. And oddly enough, it's this last man, Bartimaeus, who gets what he wants, who gets what he's asking for. See, when the Pharisees, they, when they ask Jesus this question, they just get a lesson in the Old Testament. Haven't you read what Moses what Moses said, haven't, haven't you read your scriptures? You call yourself Jews? When the rich, rich young man goes away, uh, sorry, comes to Jesus, he goes away sorrowful because he doesn't get what he wants. He has many possessions, but he doesn't get another one in the kingdom. See, he saw salvation as just another possession to be had. But when it meant giving up everything that he had, well, that was just too much to ask of him. The brothers, James and John, they, they're rebuked and taught a lesson in humility. Don't you know who I am, James and John? Where I'm going? Can't you see what my mission is? Where I'm heading? Where I'll be mocked and beaten? Don't you still know what I'm here to do? Are you still so blind 
to who I am, thinking that you can grasp at power. But it's this blind man, Bartimaeus, who gets what he wants. Jesus restores his sight and tells him that his faith has saved him. So why does Jesus grant Bartimaeus' wish and no one else's? Is it because his faith was greater than the rest of those who came to Jesus? Or was it because his request was more specific about what he wanted? I think it's because his request lined up with Jesus' mission. He was the only one who understood truly who Jesus was. On the other hand, the Pharisees thought Jesus was some sort of lunatic coming to destroy their way of life. So they come to Jesus and seek to trap him in their, with their words. The rich young man and the brothers see Jesus as some sort of genie in a bottle who will give them the desires of their heart. See, these people may have known who Jesus was intellectually, but their hearts were far from him. They had probably witnessed some of the miracles, but they still hadn't grasped who Jesus was. They didn't really understand what he'd come to do. They could see Jesus with their eyes, but they didn't understand. And yet this blind man can't see Jesus physically, but he sees him clearly and truly, as the only one who can rescue him from his body of death. But notice how Jesus and Bartimaeus are identified. Bartimaeus is called the son of Timaeus. And Bartimaeus actually means the son of Timaeus. Bar meaning son, like Simon Bar-Jonah or the sorcerer in Acts known as Bar-Jesus. And look at verses 47 and 48 with me, how Bartimaeus identifies Jesus. And when he had heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Now these names might seem like a minor detail, but I think the whole of the passage hinges on these identifications. For it's Bartimaeus' understanding of who Jesus is and what he's come to do that saves him. He isn't calling out for any old Jesus, Jesus you know, Jesus here, Jesus there. He's talking about the son of David, the son of the greatest king of Israel. And to understand that, the significance of that, we need to flip through our Bibles a little bit. In the first chapter of Matthew's Gospel, there's a genealogy of Jesus' birth, of Jesus', Jesus heritage, where he's identified as a son of David. Matthew wants to make sure that you know who Jesus is and where he comes from. In, in Mark's Gospel, in two chapters' time, in chapter 12, Jesus will pose a question in the temple saying, how can the scribes say that the Christ is the son of David? So Jesus picks up this term and equates the son of David with the Messiah, with the Christ. So the term son of David is used to identify the Messiah, the promised king of Israel, the one who would come and save Israel, who would give them rest from all their enemies. If we go right back to 2 Samuel chapter 7, we learn that God promises to David that one of his sons will reign on the throne forever. And that son is Jesus. He is the one who has come 
to proclaim good news to the poor, freedom for the prisoners, and recovery of sight to the blind, and to set the oppressed free. Bartimaeus knew this. He'd heard about the reports of who Jesus was and what he'd been doing, all the, the miracles he'd been performing. He understands that Jesus is the one who would save Israel. See, he has faith that Jesus is the son of David. He may be blind, but he's not deaf. He's heard and he believes. And so through this miracle of his recovery of sight, Jesus proves that he truly is the son of David. See, this miracle is a sign for us and for the crowd and for the disciples that Jesus has the power of God, the power over all creation, because he is God. And by his words, he heals Bartimaeus. He makes him whole again. But, his, but this physical healing, it also points forward, because not only does it prove that Jesus is the Messiah, but it gives us a glimpse of what the kingdom of God will be like. It gives us a foretaste of our future. What it will be like when, there were, when we are no longer ruled by sin and death. When we are in heaven with our God. It points us to a time where there will be no more pain and suffering. When the outsiders and the beggars will be brought in and seated at the wedding feast of the Lamb. When they will be satisfied. When they will be living in rooms that Jesus has prepared for them the rooms that he's prepared for each one of us. Brothers and sisters, this passage is not a prescription to fill out for anything that you desire. It's not telling you that if you know your need and if you just have enough, have enough faith, Jesus will give you what you want. It's not saying if you just ask Jesus for anything, he'll give it to you. This passage is showing us who Jesus is and what he's come to do. Showing us that he is the Messiah, the one who would come and die for the sins of the whole world, and through that death to rescue us. And that when we cry out to God in mercy, he will rescue you. See, the kingdom of God is not for the self righteous, for the rich, or for the proud. It's for those who know their need, who see their blindness. And know that Jesus is the only one who can save them. So who do you think Jesus is? What do you want him to do for you? Examine yourselves, friends, and turn to him in repentance and faith. For he is the only one who can save you. He is the only one that can make you well again. Let's pray. Dear gracious and loving Heavenly Father, we thank you that in your mercy you have sent your Son for us, to die for us. Help us to see our need and to turn to you in faith. Help us to trust in your power to save. Father, please help us by your Spirit to walk in your ways, that we might love you and that we might obey you ever so closely. Father, we ask this through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. 
If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you'll join us at one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.